Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help. Legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 159 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we dove into the world of wearables. In this episode, we look at the big picture in legal technology, the recently published results from the ILTA Inside Legal Tech Survey and the ABA's annual tech survey, and try to make some sense of this year's results. Tom, what's on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report, we'll be taking a close look at new surveys on how lawyers use technology in their practices. In our second segment, we'll talk about our own experiences with the Amazon Echo and what it might show us about the personal digital assistant. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first, let's talk about recent tech survey results. Uh, The International Legal Technology Association Conference just took place in Las Vegas. I was there for a day or two. And with that comes the annual ILTA Inside Legal Technology Survey of law firm and law department IT staff and executives. Uh, We've also got the 2015 version of the ABA's Legal Technology Survey Report, uh, which features responses primarily from lawyers and how they use technology. I think together, uh, these surveys give a what I would think is a pretty good view of the state of legal technology use, both from an IT perspective and from a legal perspective. Dennis, after reviewing these surveys, we've kind of looked at them a little bit. Uh, Do they give you any hope at all that we're seeing any important changes in the way that lawyers are using technology? Well, we were talking before the podcast time. I I was looking at a bunch of charts, and and, uh, especially in the ABA survey, there were like charts from four years, 2012, 2015, and most of the the bars were exactly the same height. So it's always I look at these these surveys and and hope there's going to be some things that leap out at me and and say, wow, here's some some big changes happening. And and I think we'll point out a few things. But I, I guess my reaction was, I'm not really sure there's a lot of big change happening, and and maybe that's the real story of these surveys. I agree, and I think that I've noticed that from both surveys, but really more to the ABA survey. I've noticed it more in the past couple of years that there haven't been any uh, trends. There haven't been any you know steady increase or steady decrease or even marginal increase or decrease in the way that lawyers are doing things. And I'm always intrigued about why that may be. And I don't. I I, I want to believe that it has to do with the people who are responding. I I was convinced that last year there were more solo lawyers responding, and so that kind of tended to skew the results in one way. Um, but I'm not sure after looking at the the way the results are this year. It it, it seems like since the recession in 2008. I mean, there was a clear drop-off then. There was less spending. There was clearly a trend uh, downward around the recession. But since that time, and in the past maybe three to four years, I've really noticed that things have kind of leveled off, and they are kind of still chugging along. I mean, I think that if you could say that one thing has changed for the better, um, it would be, I think, that technology budgets are either loosening up or, or at least not tightening up any. I think we're seeing that more firms are spending 
spending uh, spending money on technology for their lawyers. And, and to me, that was one of the, the significant findings that I saw both in the ABA and ILTA survey. I, I thought that, in fact, uh, the numbers were exactly the same. 41% of firms plan to spend more this year um, on technology than past years. Yeah, I, I think these surveys are useful for the, and there is that consistent numbers, I think, give you some benchmarking. And, and so the, the two to 4% uh, total firm revenue, on average, I would say it almost looks like across the board being spent on technology. It looked like there's around a $17,000 spend on technology per attorney that was surprisingly across the board. Um, And that was sort of the middle range before, you know, listeners panic and wonder where their 17 grand is. But uh, so so I think you see some of those things and a little bit of movement here and there. But but I I think the benchmarking part of it is, is very useful. And I also think that the innovation is probably happening among outliers, and I would I would say that if I'm a firm looking to to invest in technology and to go make technology a differentiation with other firms, I think these numbers would actually be very encouraging to say, hey, maybe even now, even though we haven't done anything for a few years, we can actually make a jump in technology over some of our competitors. So uh, in that way, it's 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 sort of interesting. I guess, Tom, it's probably worth, uh, I mean, you mentioned a little bit, but I always like to uh, to differentiate you know, what's different between these two surveys and then also remind people that the uh, American Lawyer Media comes out with the, its own set of the AMLAW 200 technology survey. I think that usually comes out later in the fall. I mean, typically, I think that tracks ILTA a little bit more, but there are differences between the two surveys that you hit on, and and maybe it's, it's worth going into that in just a little more detail. Sure. So the ILTA survey is primarily law firm uh, and to a certain extent, I guess, law department, corporate depart- law department, but to a lesser extent, IT. Uh, you're getting lots of CIOs answering. You're getting lots of managers in IT. Um, this is primarily from an IT standpoint about what they're seeing for the firms that they support in terms of technology. My understanding is very few lawyers are actually responding to that. So you're getting a very specific look on how IT views legal technology in, in law firms. Turn that around and go to the ABA survey, and you have almost exclusively lawyers on that end. And what I find is interesting and, and what actually I think skews the results slightly is the number of solo and small firm lawyers who answer the survey because I think this year the total number of lawyers who were either solo or up to firms with nine lawyers was 60% of the respondents and then uh, you know when you get up to the top uh, you know over 100 uh, lawyers in a firm uh, you're getting probably only about I think it was 15 or 17 percent. Some small number um, were were responding to that. So I think your the ABA survey I think is valuable, but I also think you have to take it understanding that the people who are talking about it are maybe speaking more from a smaller firm perspective than a big firm perspective, and I think that has a difference on the way that the results come out. So I thought we'd. Look at the ILTA survey first. I wanted to go over the LexisNexis Business of Law blog. Actually, had a really good article with the what they thought were the four big takeaways from the ILTA survey. But 
Tom, we're never limited by somebody else's. Uh, of course not. So, so let's just go. I thought it'd be best to go with the things that sort of interested us. And so I, I thought there were a number of things that jump out. And what surprises me is that there is we see the increased emphasis on security that I would expect. But when you dig into some of the survey results, I, I can't believe that that people put down some of the answers they do without, you know, hiding their heads in shame. I mean, there's, you know, something like 15% of firms have had uh, a security breach. Uh, There are firms that, you know, list that they still don't, you know, have mandatory passwords on accounts. I mean, it is is really shocking that even like the best and most common security methods aren't even close to 100% in use. So uh, that was striking to me. I'm really interested in how a standard it is that lawyers use LinkedIn and you know, from a minimum to 88% to 90% you see usage of LinkedIn among social media. Uh, I found that interesting. I know, Tom, you'll probably talk in more detail about records management, but uh there's finally a shift away from email management being the number one priority um, among lawyers. And then I was also intrigued by uh, the one thing that does uh, did appear to me to be an interesting trend was the movement toward Microsoft Office 365, uh, which ILTA treated as a new category, and, and 13% of the firms uh, surveyed had purchased uh, Microsoft Office 365. I I think that qualified as a trend. What, what did you notice, Tom? So what's really hilarious about this, Dennis, is that you and I put together our list separately. And of the things that I have on my list, I have Office 365, security replacing email as a concern, information governance is, is a challenge that people are recognizing. And that's kind of where they would, a little bit where we, where we differ. But I'm seeing the same things, and I think the same things are important to me. I, I think, frankly, that that 13% of Office 365 is huge, frankly, because typically what we see with Office products is that there is a lag, that they are slow to adopt new Office uh, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of companies that are still on Office 2010, but I think that with Office 365, that's not surprising. I am in the corporate world seeing more and more companies jump immediately into Office 365. It has a lot to do with management of email in the cloud. It has a lot to do with combining services with SharePoint. And so that number really doesn't surprise me very much. I'm happy to see that information governance is number three on the list of the biggest challenges. I agree completely that a lot of law firms don't really get information governance. Um, I I'm also pleased to see that they included technology competence uh, as a category, asking what are you doing to make sure that lawyers are competent in the technology that they use. I'm not sure that it really addresses the problem correctly, because what it does is they, they say, what are you doing? Firms are saying we're offering courses, we're hiring external vendors to come in and do training. And I think that offering courses is one thing, but are lawyers taking the courses? Are they actually, I know a lot of a lot of companies offer additional training on technology tools, but they're just wide open. They're open for you to take them if you want to. They're not mandatory. And I'd be interested to know, are these training mandatory? What's the, what's the percentage of lawyers that are actually doing this? And what's interesting there is, is that it, when you look at the ABA survey, and I don't want to get over there, but the ABA survey, you've got a lot of lawyers, I think 23% saying that training on technology isn't important 
at all, and only about 38% say it's very important. So, you know, given the opportunity, I think lawyers probably aren't going to get a lot of training. Um, Two other quick, very quick things. It's amazing to me that 26% of firms are still purchasing Blackberries for their firms. We'll talk about the LTRC survey, the ABA survey in just a second. It, It really doesn't jibe with what we're seeing over there. And it's also very interesting and heartening to me to see Windows tablet use, that the Windows Surface tablet is up to 29% uh, among law firms, which is only about 18% behind the iPad. Uh, A little more surprising than I expected, but really does show that the Surface is a viable tablet for lawyers' use. I think those are my my big takeaways from this particular survey. Yeah, let's go to the Business of Law blog. So it had four big takeaways, and we can talk about these. So increased spending on technology, which we talked about. The emphasis on security, as you mentioned, training and technology proficiency, which I think aligns with the the, the technology being part of uh, ethical competence, and then the, the, the focus on the cloud. So I, I think that we're pulling away from the recessionary period. So you're seeing the the spending on hardware. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that it's a, a little bit less on laptops than I would expect because it, it would just seem seems to me that, that lawyers are pretty laptop oriented. I think that the Windows tablet or the Surface that we talked about in a, a couple episodes ago, I think is an interesting, very interesting option in there. And I would be curious to see how that grows over over the next year. So that's what I noticed in spending, but uh, then spending hardware just seemed totally bread and butter, not, you know, innovation. So it's kind of like, you know, desktops, laptops, you know, printers, scanners, that sort of thing, servers. Security, I think we talked about, there is that that big, you know, growing emphasis, but, you know, lawyers talk to talk, but the numbers show that they aren't walking the walk on very standard uh, security precautions. The training, technology competence, again, is another place where I I think that people realize the need, but uh, as the survey results show, they don't want to spend the time on it. And then I think there is, not surprisingly, a, a bigger adoption of the cloud reflecting what's going on in the rest of the world. If I compare, and maybe this is a way to transition to talking more about the ABA survey, I I really don't find that as many lawyers embracing new or cutting-edge technologies as maybe we've seen in the past. I think we're seeing bigger firms uh, that are talking a lot more about stuff like big data, about data analytics. Those are more cutting-edge issues, more things that are kind of on the forefront of what law firms and other industries are doing about technology. But I think in lawyers in general, there this survey still reflects there is still a lot of slowness to adopt some technologies. I do think the ILTA survey reflects more current thinking about where technology is headed. I just think it's going a little bit slower than it might be in other industries. Now, now this is not a survey by lawyers, and they tend to be the ones who don't use the technology. So maybe it's a good time to talk about the ABA survey. Dennis, you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I do. But I, I just one quick last thing on the ILTA survey. There was a there's a section called what's the most exciting technology or trend you've seen. And that was actually one of the more interesting things for me. So a lot of it is the stuff you would expect from the IT director perspective, you know, security, virtualization, cloud, mobility. Uh, but people talked about AI, Apple Watch, a little bit about big data, 
Amazon Echo that we'll talk about in the next segment. And my favorite response on that, and I don't know whether you noticed this, Tom, but uh, the interest in drone technology for personal and professional use. Uh, so there are definitely some people out there with some uh, interesting ideas. I'll, I'll say that. So the ABA survey, I, I guess, Tom, we always like to give our standard disclaimer that we are involved uh, through the ABA's Legal Technology Resource Center. In fact, I'll be the chair this year. I am the chair this year. You were vice chair. So we'll give a little bit of disclaimer of our involvement in there. But it's I, I think it's a great effort that's been made consistently over the years. So you can see trends and sort of get the lawyers' responses, and uh, even this year we'll be tweaking the questions. So any of our listeners who have ideas for that survey can, are welcome to uh, to give us uh, some input on that. Uh, and then, then each of us uh, wrote a summary section that's going to be available for, for free. So I covered the, the cloud side of things, so that's probably where I'll focus my comments. And I think the survey, again, shows a general uh, willingness to experiment in small ways uh, with cloud computing. I think that it shows a basic misunderstanding in some cases of what cl- cloud computing is because I think there are some people who say they don't use cloud computing, but they'll use They'll say they use Box, Dropbox, Gmail, those sorts of things, which are uh, obviously classic cloud computing examples. So there's still some education out there. Then I'm also really surprised at the uh, the lack of due diligence that people uh, do on cloud computing. So again, it's sort of like talk is one thing and, and walking the walk is another thing that really shows up in these survey results. So a lot of people say, here's our concern about cloud computing, it's security and, you know, getting the right vendor. And then when you look to see what it is that they do in terms of due diligence, even asking other people or checking into the history of the vendors is not something that even 50% of firms are doing. So some interesting things there. And Tom, I, I think you had your own section and, and maybe uh, some ideas about the the survey in general as well. Well, sure. I um, uh, like Dennis had cloud. I covered the mobile technology piece. I'm writing the mobile technology tech report. Um, my favorite findings from the mobile part, uh, and and when I say favorite, uh, don't necessarily mean good, but not necessarily surprising either. Twenty nine percent do nothing to secure their mobile devices when they are on the internet. Still, twenty nine percent are not using any type of security when they use public Wi-Fi. That just still amazes me. Um, password protection uh, on smart devices, on smartphones, on tablets. S- passwords are still the most uh, most popular. 97% of people using passwords. Uh, it, what's interesting is only 19% are using encryption. Still fewer are using biometric authentication. Now that we have Apple uh, Touch ID, that passwords, uh, that fingerprint uh, passwords are the norm that I see now on most phones that we have these days, I'm amazed that so few lawyers are using biometric authentication, you know, usually fingerprints instead of passwords or other type of security. BlackBerry continues its downward march as far as lawyers are concerned. Um, It used to be, I think, 45% four or five years ago. It's now at a all-time low in the survey of 5%. What's amazing to me is that in the ILTA survey, ILTA reports that 26% of the respondents are actually buying Blackberries for their lawyers. 
it doesn't really jive with with the five percent of lawyers who are using it. So I'm interested to know how that correlates and what the what the reason is for something like that. Now, some of the other things from the survey that we learned that I thought was really interesting on the ILTA survey, IT reports that security is its top challenge from the ABA survey. That doesn't surprise me because only 50% report that encryption software is available at their firm. Only 30% actually use the software that's available to them. And then only 65% of people actually report enforced passwords. So 35% of the firms don't have any type of passwords uh, that are in a password policy that's enforced. I think no wonder it's a challenge for IT. Uh, 15% of the respondents reported some type of security breach, which may explain why uh, so few find security an important issue. Um, still only, like you mentioned, a relatively few number of people are, are using the cloud. Only 30% of lawyers are using the cloud with, with very few of the others planning to move to the cloud anytime soon. I thought that was really interesting that there were very few, um, the, the people who are using the cloud seem to have settled on it and they don't seem to, uh, the others don't seem to have any plans to move to it. I'm still amazed that 38% of the respondents received no requests for e-discovery period. Now, granted, maybe the respondents are not litigators, maybe they're not answering discovery and maybe that's the reason, but in this day and age to have someone who receives no requests for electronic documents really is sort of mind-boggling to me. Um, it's good to see that 85% of lawyers have websites, but as Bob Ambrogi mentioned on a, a blog post a while back, the number of lawyer blogs has remained pretty stagnant. Only about 26% of lawyers have their own blogs, which I also find interesting considering what a great way it is for lawyers to be able to get their message out and talk about the things that are important to them. I've kind of gone through them really quickly, but I think that's what I found. Those were the things that are of interest to me most in this edition of the LTRC survey. So what I found looking at both surveys is that it is really fun to look through these numbers. And I think that you will be rewarded for spending some time kind of pouring through these. And like Tom was saying, that we've both written reports from the ABA survey that will be available for free um, some point in the very near future. And the ILTA uh, Inside Legal Summary is available for free as a PDF download. I would just go to the Inside Legal uh, page, uh, our website, to, to get that. And I think that if you are really interested in technology and trying to figure out what you need to do next and what your competitors might be doing and what you can do to outcompete them, I think there's a lot of stuff to think about here. And I think you can really start to experiment and slice and dice the data that's available. And I think the key to these things is is how do I turn this data and what I see that's most interesting to me into action. I mean, there, there's some really fascinating numbers here about how how much lawyers drive technology decisions versus what the IT department drives. There's an incredibly small number in the result that says clients drive technology change. I think those are areas that the the firms that want to differentiate themselves, the lawyers who want to differentiate themselves through technology can really get some insights and maybe put together a, a plan 
to really do the differentiation and to come up with some ways that they can move ahead. Because I think when technology stays as constant as it seems, that it really becomes possible to leapfrog into new areas. So that's so I'm actually kind of positive about these results for the right lawyers and the right firms. But I think that it does feel really static out there uh, otherwise, Tom. Well, I think I tend to take the more pessimistic view. I think with the with the right frame of mind, we want lawyers looking at this survey. We want it to we want them to become more competitive, getting a leg up on the competition, and certainly looking at the survey can help them do this. I fear, on the other hand, that lawyers are going to look at this and say, "Well, only 15% of law firms had a security breach last year, so I'm safe. I'm in the majority, so I'm in I'm in good shape." I hope that level of complacency doesn't set in that lawyers really will actually take this survey in a constructive way, find new ways to improve the the ways that they use technology in their practice. Tom, I had a lunch the other day with a guy in St. Louis who's uh, put together some a really cool estate planning software suite uh, in, in a way that if I were still doing estate planning, I would buy this in a second. And the conversation I was having with him, Tom, is the same one we've heard over the years where you're saying it is so hard to get lawyers to, to buy technology. And I I got to tell you, this software made so much sense to me if I was doing that. It allows you to do some things and to be really creative and to take back the the lead role that lawyers once had with estate planning clients. And it's still striking that when he's telling me how difficult it is to sell lawyers on it and how he's thinking about repositioning to say, this is a great tool for, for secretaries and admins and using that as the way in to lawyers. So I know in the script, we, we end up with this question, are we hopeful? And I originally was very hopeful for the lawyers who, who are driving forward. But I actually, after hearing your comments of how you were kind of negative, I turned a little more negative in the last two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad I was able to persuade you so easily. I just see several years of results in the ABA survey where things haven't changed. And I hate to say it, it just turns me a little bit negative. But I do remain hopeful uh, that as time goes on, more and more lawyers are going to hopefully start to see and do the things that we think they ought to be doing. So I'm looking forward to next year's survey as a result. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. We both recently bought the Amazon Echo, which to me is a new form of digital assistant that works uh, with speech input to do a, a number of really useful small tasks. Now, Tom has put in a, a lot more effort than I have, as usual, because he's much more in the early, early adapter than I am. So he's ahead of me on this. So he's going to start off the segment. So, Tom, how are you liking your Echo? 
Well, Dennis, I am loving my Echo. I really, really like it. I think it's a great device. I, I should start, I guess, by describing it uh, for anyone out there who hasn't seen it before. Uh, it's a black cylindrical device. It's a cylinder. It's about 10 inches tall, and it is designed as a listening device. It listens. It's it's always in listen mode for when you have a command for it. It has some really great speakers, too, when it wants to give something back to you, but it has omnidirectional microphones so that wherever you happen to be in a room, and you can be all the way across a room, when you talk to it, it will point the microphone at where you are, and it has extremely good recall. It can really pick up what you're saying, no matter, I won't say no matter how garbled, but it, it really does have very good recall of the words that you happen to be saying to it. The way that you use it is like Cortana or Siri. Amazon's Echo is Alexa. So you start out using the word Alexa and you ask things. Uh, play music by Bruce Springsteen. Play holiday music. It will automatically go into Amazon Prime and begin to play those things. Um, I am a big NPR fan, and so I will say play the top news from NPR. And it will go out and go to TuneIn Radio and it will play the top of the hour headlines from NPR. Um, it has a lot of power to play things from uh, different radio or music places through Amazon Prime and through other sites. You can use your Pandora account. You can use TuneIn Radio. Uh, you now can get sports scores and figure out where different teams are in terms of uh, in terms of the game. There are ways to figure out where uh, how long your commute is to work. My very favorite feature of the Echo is that because it is an Amazon product and it ties into your Amazon Prime account, you can easily say, Alexa, reorder, and then something that's on your list, something that you've ordered in the past, they won't order new products, but if you need to reorder something, you can just ask it to reorder that immediately and it will be reordered and it'll be delivered to you and you never have to see a computer. I think that's really awesome. I use it in the kitchen. I'm in the uh, the kitchen with uh, cooking things and when I run out of something, it is just a very simple exercise to say, Alexa, add salt to the shopping list. And it's added to my shopping list, which gets sent to an app on my phone. Really, really helpful. And as much as I love it, though, I, I don't see, at least right now, a ton of application for lawyers. Uh, you know, they're starting to integrate smart home uh, features. So that you can tell Alexa to turn the thermostat up or turn off the lights in the bathroom or something like that. So if you have a smartphone, then some of these are actually pretty useful. Where I really think this is going and where I think it's really kind of cool is for something like document assembly. So imagine a day when you go up to Alexa and say, hey, Alexa, please prepare a divorce petition for Jane Doe and John Doe. And it will go ahead and put that information in and it will create a document for you. That's really simplistic. It may not make sense to do something like that. But I think it's really interesting to be able to speak the thing that you want and have technology take care of the task for you. And that really, to me, is what Alexa represents and what I think makes it really, really interesting. Uh, Dennis, I've been blabbing a whole lot so far, so I'll shut up for a second and say, what do you think about your Amazon Echo so far? Yeah, I'm just really impressed, too. I mean, and I've used it less and probably for smaller things, but a couple things have just really amazed me. And so when I first showed it to my wife, I just had her speak to it and it responded to her voice as well as mine in just the same way. And and that to me was really amazing. I'm also really impressed with how fast it is. So let me try to do the demo. I don't know whether this is going to be loud enough to really pick up, but I'll try it. Alexa, what's tomorrow's weather? Tomorrow in St. Louis. You'll see thunderstorms, 
and can expect a high of 82 and a low of 64. So it's super fast. And I, you know, instead of like going to weather.com or trying to figure out what something on the TV to get the weather, I just ask Alexa the weather, you know, for today, tomorrow. And I'm discovering what it's good at, you know, and and these are things that will make sense to you, you know. So if I ask it if it's a full moon, it will tell me when the next full moon is. There was like a phenomenon a couple of weeks ago that my wife was calling the double moon, which I guess was Saturn actually going in transit across the moon. Well, that was something where it said it didn't understand the answer to. And I can see that. So I like to try things to give me a sense of what it might be good for and and what it isn't. The other night I was reading uh, a new book on, uh, not exactly a biography, but it was about Billie Holiday. And when they would mention a song in the book, then I could actually say to Alexa, um, and I hope I don't turn her on just by saying that, that I would just say, play, you know, All of Me by Billie Holiday. And the song would just start playing immediately. And so that was like an, just a, a cool thing. So like you said, Tom, the speakers are great and it will do like a number of, you know, news, weather. There's a whole bunch of things that it can do well, but I see it what it is now, which I think is cool, but as a potential platform in a year or two, along with Siri, Google Now, like you said, the the Microsoft uh, tool as well. It's surprising to me how voice may become the way we start to navigate things. So uh, just, a, you know, for $150, if you're looking for, uh, those of you looking for a present might be something to put on your list. So now it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation. You can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. Uh, so my parting shot, I was in uh, was in Europe for two weeks, a couple of weeks ago, had a fabulous vacation, and uh, I like to go on lots of tours, and I was using my phone as my tour guide, so I had my Google Maps going, I had a, a book up so that I could, re- you know, read about where I was, where I was going, and my phone's battery life was not very good, and I needed a battery connection during the day. I had my little day pack, and I wound up using the Anchor, I, I, we've talked about Anchor tools on here before. Or A-N-K-E-R. Uh, they have a new one out, the Anchor PowerCore 20,100, so 20100. It will basically keep your phone charged all day long and then some. The amount of power in this little brick is just amazing. It's a little bit heavy, but it's not too heavy. It's just good enough to where you can carry it in a bag or something, and I just basically kept my phone connected to it when the battery started getting low, and it kept my battery going, or my phone going all day long when uh, when I was, and it required very little topping off of the battery at night. It's a very strong battery. I recommend just about anything that the Anchor folks do in terms of their chargers, but this power core was great for being able to get through not only the phone problem, but when I'm on the plane and I wanted to make sure that my iPad didn't go out on long plane rides from Europe back to the United States, I was able to plug it in and it was able to, to keep it going. So uh, Anchor Power Core 2100, 20100. Dennis. So I'm going to go with an actual tip for a change instead of a, a pointer to a URL or a podcast or something. So a lot of times people talk about how they like to use keyboard shortcuts. And my thing is there's a lot of them. It's hard to remember them. And you usually just have a few that, that you use and you know well. So if you have that list of a few, I have another one to add. So 
trainers and the experts in Microsoft Word always say that if if you want to really know how to use Microsoft Word, you need to know how to use styles. And that's really true, but it ignores the fact that basically everybody you work with does not know how to use styles. So especially if you go through a draft, goes through a couple rounds and track changes and stuff, it is mayhem inside that document. Um, and so when you are the lawyer who gets stuck with doing the last version of it and accepting changes, you're going to get all this weird formatting. So very recently, I was down to that last finalizing piece, and there was uh, actually a word, one word that had a box around it. And so I tried everything, you know, right clicks, all this sort of stuff to figure out what the heck was drawing that box around this one word. And I had been asked to fix it, like on the punch list of of document changes. So I remembered, uh, and I can't remember where this is from, but I think I heard it on a podcast, of the shortcut called Control Space, which basically takes out all the formatting in the text uh, that you select. And so I selected the word that had the box around it. I hit the control space and the box disappeared. And it was totally amazing. So anyway, there are actually a set of three of these, but I think control space is probably the one that will give you the most benefit when you run into those weird things. So there's a control Q, which will allow you to remove uh, paragraph formatting. Could be useful when you get some weird, uh, you know, paragraph things going on. And then here's one that I will never remember, but if you do control shift and N, it takes you back to the normal style. That could also be useful when you get like some weird bolding or font change that you don't know how to take care of. So control space, you know, is up there on the list with like paste special and uh, alt print screen and, you know, the, the things that are can be really helpful when you're uh, desperate using Word. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site, where you can find archives of all of our previous podcasts as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com or send us a tweet. I'm at Tom Mile and Dennis is at Dennis Kennedy. So until the next podcast... I am Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. Help us out by telling a couple of your friends and colleagues about this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.